and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Grace Maxwell and Edwin Collins. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> How are you getting on? I believe that you're enjoying yourselves up in the Highlands at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I am. Living quietly, living peacefully. We're very lucky. Except uh, Grace is too, too much uh, shopping and uh, the golf. and. Uh, I've been playing a bit of golf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. since the, since the uh, course was open again, we've got a nine-hole community yeah. community course here. So in Victorian. Hmm. So 1895. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. And uh, I'm the secretary. Yeah. <laughs> really? yeah. It's brilliant. It's yeah. a great course. And um, we've just recently managed to get the funding for a really fantastic uh, fairway more. This is really boring, but it's, it's <laughs> what, a what a transformation it's made. So we're, um, been out, uh, I'm a very, very poor golfer. My, my, my dad and my, my brother David. Who you know, Derek? I do, yes, very well. Uh, we're yeah. we're uh, a great golfer. David's fantastic golfer. Yeah. He's a very modest golfer. He's, uh, no, no, he's not up uh, playing uh, golf recently, uh, David. Uh-huh. He did the tour because we're surrounded by magnificent courses up here. Yeah. But every modest uh, nine hole course is, is looking well. It's funny, it seems that you a, a went from a uh, a London lifestyle to very much relaxed in the Highlands. It must be a total opposite, polar opposite. Grace wanted that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are, you, are you saying that you didn't, Edwin? <laughs> no, no, I did, uh, but, uh, uh, but but uh, Grace built me a studio. He, wasn't gonna, he wouldn't do it unless he had the studio. <laughs> I had to build him a studio. But it's amazing, and, uh, yeah, Derek. That was the, probably the biggest undertaking of my life. I know. <laughs> it was, uh, but it was uh, it was worth it in the end, yeah. wasn't it? And it's great, and people can come and record here in Helmsdale now, and they do, and they do. Not this, not much this year, obviously, but um, but they do, and it's yeah. it's uh, a incredibly beautiful setting that the studio is in, and it's just above us here, we're on the A nine, and the studio's set on the hill, the hill. behind us, and a yeah. uh, hundred steps, Edwin climbs every day to get to the studio. It's brilliant. It's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it, is different, it is different to London, Derek, but uh, it's actually not less busy. I feel no. in some ways I was busier. I'm busier here sure. than I was in London. It's, it, it's, it's funny there. you say that, Grace, because I, as you know, you know my uh, my family are down in Brora, just down the road from you, and it seems that you know they came from just outside Glasgow and moved up there and. I think that the communities that you live in, you know, they're really integrated into that community and you're the same and that there's always something happening, isn't there? Yes. But my uh, grandfather was born the other in Helmsdale. Mm. Really? That's yes. a connection. connection. Ah, right, okay. Ed's um, eternal family are all from this very house that we're sitting in at the moment. Ed's, how long has your family lived here? 200, 200 years. 200 years. Honestly, yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. yeah. It's amazing, and we know the great, great, great all the greats. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, this this lady behind us in this painting, this Bannerman. Her her maiden name was Bannerman. Yeah, but she's here. Let me think about it, Ed. And she's great, great. That's it. Two greats. Is Ed's great, great granny. Amazing. Got That's amazing. Over. Uh-huh. Some local artist. Uh, 
did it all those years ago. And so it's, it's unusual for somebody from a wee modest house like this to have a portrait, you know what I mean? But uh, it was apparently a local a local artist. But when we took the house over, we found it in the cupboard and it was uh, damaged. Yeah, yeah. A hole in it. Yeah. And Edwin got it sorted out. So there's Mary Bannerman right behind us That's there. That's a lovely story, isn't it? That's fantastic. No, and it's by the fireplace. Oh, she's at the old range. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Sitting by the old range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and here. Yeah, so he's, you've been coming here since you were... Eight years old. Yeah, since you were eight. Uh, and the first time you were here. And uh, all his childhood, don't you? Yeah. He brought me here for the first time. Well, Grandpa was still alive. Uh, in, uh, but he... Uh, Grace welcomed, no, Grandpa welcomed him. Oh, she certainly did. Yeah. I was I was kind of transformed the first time I came to Helmsdale in 85. Yeah. And uh, with his grandfather sitting in this room, gosh, and, and uh, he, took, he took us out on the, on the hill oh, yeah. or the shore every day, long days. I thought he was putting me through the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, I'm from Lanarkshire, you know, I don't <laughs> all this wild openness. It was it was new to me. In 1985, it was really new, and I would be thinking, where are we going? We're not going up that, are we? I don't see how you get up yeah, that. I don't understand. How, how do you do yeah. that? What, do you know what I mean? And this Edwin's grandfather was 83 at that point. <laughs> so I thought. Just calm down, get on with it, because if this man can do it, you can do it. Do you know what I mean? It was amazing to me. It was a revelation yeah. in my life, really. But Edwin had been... You'd been a lot of in place, yeah. You've been doing that all your life. Yeah, yeah. Tell Derek when your mum and dad one year said they might go abroad. <laughs> what did you say? No way, we'll see. Edwin said, you can go wherever you like, I'm going to Helmsdale. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I suppose it's always had a special place in your heart then as well, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, but it, uh, um, uh, for example, uh, when I was a uh, small uh, boy, I used to be, uh, go out and walking and carrying on. You, it's it's where a lot of your you know your well you already were a nature lover yeah but this is perfect for it wasn't it this yeah. was a wee lots of uh, birds and animals and such like Edwin's grandfather used to say and his in a letter that he written he said of course we always defer to Edwin in such matters. Any <laughs> <laughs> more. No, but uh, your knowledge of uh, wildlife. Yeah, and but it's you know? true. I must admit, it's uh, um, coming back uh, the animals and birds. And Edwin doesn't trust his uh, memory. Yeah, yeah. Or, or his, his expertise as much yeah. since his stroke. But in actual fact, when he's presented with something, he always remembers it. So I don't know why, you know, when he sees something, I'll go, oh, what's that? And he'll go, oh, hang on. He'll go, oh, hang on. Here's a tree creeper, you know, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Up uh, two miles, uh, no. Um, a mile north. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tree, tree, tree creeper. creeper. 
So he always still notices things. I was like, oh, look, there's a curlew. And he goes, Wonder it's not, yeah. not a curlew, but wait a minute, just let me think. A whimbrel. It's a whimbrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so he's still... Um, Observant. Uh, the but you said that you were knowledge of British birds uh, was at its peak. You were completely knew everything when you were about eleven. You reckon there was nothing you didn't know about British birds? Is that right? That was your yeah. Your sort of peak I, time I, eleven. I mean the, the birds that fly and not the not the other type. Yeah, no. <laughs> rubbish at that. <laughs> Still on, Sorry. Grace, you mentioned earlier that you you were originally from Lanarkshire, but I believe as as things took you, you you moved to London quite early on in your life. Well, I went to. Uh, um, I was fascinated watching your pre your uh, the podcast that you did with Graham Armstrong, um, yeah. and I've read his book subsequently, uh, which is all about our neck of the woods in Lanarkshire. And of course, I'm start trying to sort of contrast that with my experience of Lanarkshire in the 1970s, sure. and uh, I uh, went to university when I was quite young, um, seventeen. And, uh, and that was in 1975. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm reading Graham's thing and thinking, where was my, where was my nice. head at, at that age when I was 17? <laughs> I'll tell you where it was, where it had been for quite a while, Derek. And this is not, this is not fair because I'm so fond of Lanarkshire now, you know, going back when I see it and all the years, you know, my family are there. And it's where I grew up. So there's, there's love in my heart for it, obviously. But when I was 17 and leading up to that, I had was I was a kid with but, but a single thought in my head, which yeah. was to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I really was, you know, I was get out, you know, the quickest, uh, the earliest opportunity, the quickest route. And the quickest route, to my mind, honestly, was to get to university because um, you would get a grant, you know, then and you could uh, fend for yourself. You could have a grant and a job part-time work and and you could so you could make it in the 70s you really could you know without the uh, financial assistance no, no, it is no, difficult really difficult nowadays yeah, yeah. but uh, without financial help from a from a family who couldn't afford i was the oldest of four yeah. so off i went to glasgow university and and then in 1980 five years later after uh, i'd worked in the theater in glasgow i moved to london yeah yeah. And I was working in theatres in London as well. So in front of house, I was a house manager. Okay. And a friend of mine in Glasgow had a quite a well-known fanzine at the time. Fanzines were very big at that time. Was called that the Ten Commandments. Music fanzine. Yeah. yeah. Called the, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Uh, it was three of them had ran, had this had this fanzine, and uh, uh, Kirsty had said. There's this group, Orange Juice and Postcard, which I'd heard of them actually, because yeah. at that time I lived with a photographer called Harry Papadopoulos, who took lots of pictures in Glasgow, and he'd um, uh, Black and white. worked for the NME yeah. and Sounds. And um, Kirsty said... Mostly black and white, yeah, wasn't it? Harry's pics, yeah. Yeah. She said, can, we, she said, can these two guys come and Crash sleep, out. sleep on your floor? Yeah. Uh, they're coming down to promote their label and the band, and that was Orange Juice. And that was how I met Edwin and Alan Horn, who 
started the label with Ed and, and uh, he came down and stayed for a few days. As yeah. Were, yeah. So you can tell Del- Derek about your... So I'd only actually been in London for about three months at that uh, point. Around the time, it was um, pulling and laughing, February uh, 1980, uh, and uh, the second uh, single, Blue Boy, uh, it came out, but came out and uh, up to London, Alan Horn and I, uh, to, 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 to list uh, NME and Sonic Sounds and uh, Record Mirror. You, Mer- Mer- you went to Cosmopolitan? Yeah, 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 I oh. did. And I, I got the magazine called Cosmopolitan. And the, um, they reviewed the record and yeah, talked yeah. about it, didn't they? Yeah. So they had they to did. tell the tell the what your method was for organising how to try and get some interest in your. How did you do it? Uh, um, Harry Pop Pop uh, Pop. Uh, it's a big um, house. Yeah, but how did you go to the? What did you do when you hit up? I walked. Yeah. Uh, Alan Horn walked. You walked, didn't you? Uh, five, five miles away. And you did about ten miles that day of marching, didn't you? And, yeah. and, uh, and they would uh, so they walked into town, and then they would just you just turn up, but yeah, the music paper store, yeah, and you see we are on just and uh, and this labels postcard records of Scotland, and uh, we'd like to speak to who's around. Do you know what I mean? And they would uh, whatever. He spoke to people and yeah. every place he went to, it worked. It's amazing. And then you, you doorstep John Peel at the BBC, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And he spoke about them on the radio that night. That's amazing. And uh, he said on air, I met um, a truculent young man. A truculent young uh, man. Alan Horn. Yeah. A truculent youth. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's, 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 um, I tell people about this. Oh, no, he said, t- 10 o'clock, he said. You had, uh, the, the label was completely self funded, self, at that point, self distributed. They didn't have a, dis- they didn't have distribution. Yeah. Even indie distribution, they didn't have. So the first single, what did you do? So you took it round the shops. Yeah, yeah. Balance, yeah. Dad's Motor, didn't yeah, yeah. you? Yeah, Austin. Oh, it was uh, I'm Rosalind Maxie. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, was it? Yeah. Anyway, the yeah. ticket out the country, the country in the back of a motor. And sometimes <laughs> some take one or two. Distributed. Uh, one, one time in, in London, a hundred. Was that a small wonder? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where was that? In Haringey up that way? Yeah, yeah. So they, as we read indie shop called, they knew all the names of the... the of the record shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you get them from the back of the music papers or something? Yeah, yeah, and um, he's nice, small, uh, wonder, bit of a hippie, bit of long a hippie. hair, <laughs> and uh, you're mad, uh, he said. Uh, but I tell you what, I'll take a run. I'll take a turn. <laughs> I'll take a turn. <laughs> <laughs> and you went off. But I kind of. Talk to people about this a lot, Derek. About um, how do you get started in the music business? Yeah. You know, 
Well, back then, they had no labels, they had no nothing. They had nothing, no money, no labels, no publicity people, no nothing, right? And no distribution, no internet, nothing. Yeah. The stranglehold that major labels and and uh, radio stations, of which there were not that many, and music papers had on the music business was total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, mm-hmm. the majors. Uh, mm-hmm. How did you crack that? I don't know. <laughs> you cracked it. Yeah. You did crack it. Yeah. And I mean, I sort of say this to people. I go, you just if you find you, yourself you can't, don't have answers to that question, right? Mm-hmm. How did you crack it? Then don't bother you. Just forget it. Then go and do something else because that is you will have to find an answer to that, and it will not be easy. Yeah. And. <laughs> It and, would and, not and be easy. Back then in the Orange days, days Alan and I walked uh, so he, he said, uh, Alan said, uh, he's stupid. He's, he's shy. He's shy. Uh-huh. And I, I talked incessantly. Uh, but Alan could come across as just being intimidating. Yeah, yeah. It was actually shyness. Yeah. It could come across as sort of. You're pathetic, you. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was quite yeah. an interesting double act. But, you know? but back in uh, between, uh, say, uh, NME, uh, I talked. And, you did all the talking? Yeah. I did. And you were a good talker. No, but, but uh, I, I was. Um, I, I talked uh, uh, using my point, but I was terribly shy. Yeah, yeah. It sort of helps when you're a double act, doesn't it? Yeah. You know? And he's, Edwin says, back when I was young, I was a combination of shy and arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> and it, do you know, it's just a totally different world now, isn't it? You consider that, you know, that you say you cracked it, and you, you it, but it was hard work, Edwin. You know, it wasn't as if... Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. You, you I did it, it. Well, you said you, he said I used to lie in my bed at night and not be able to sleep for trying to come up with ideas, mm. not for music, because yeah. yeah, music ideas came to Edwin quite easily. Sure, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, still do. Yeah, but um, thinking of uh, uh, the advertising that I did, thinking giving of the uh, sharp. Uh, what he yeah how to do how to get yeah. attention how yeah. to get attention yeah. and the, of course the first rule of that for you lot was don't be boring <laughs> don't bore people was who suited that don't bore us get to the chorus who's that uh, um, the, the uh, you got the look you got the did look did they sing that did they actually say that don't bore us get to the chorus do they? I, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they just weren't, but trust me, they were not boring. They were riveting sort of individuals with absolutely loads of ideas, tons of opinions, sometimes quite cruel opinions about people. Yeah. Were, especially um, uh, Alan. Especially well, you. Uh, <laughs> don't try and pass the blame there, Ed. <laughs> I admit, especially me. You were. Terrible. I mean, because I had no responsibility for him then and uh, no uh, 
I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was absolutely. <laughs> you think I don't believe he's, especially when you started to get some attention and you were when you were becoming a wee bit, you know, well known, and you do this interview and I'd be reading it and going, "Oh my God, did he really just say that?" <laughs> and, and but but to uh, indie music. It's back and boards, especially the enemy and sounds and uh, melody maker. Do you mean that banter? Yeah, the banter. Yeah, and groups weren't supportive, supportive of one another. Groups got tore into each other back then. That was really. really, Oh God, yeah. Nowadays, I love friendly. Yeah, friendly. The musicians. No, you were defined by your negativity back yeah. then. Do you know what I mean by your, who you hated? And <laughs> Edinburgh, somebody sent us a thing about uh, Edinburgh Review. This is later on. You carried on this for years. In 1987. No, uh, he, he goaded me, Alan Bourne. Well, how, who was goading you in 1987 whenever you reviewed the singles for that mag? In the I know. That wasn't you Alan see- goading you. You um, see, he, he's quoting me. That's not true. Uh, that's but not I... True. So he wrote, it is the first single he had to review was from Susie and the Banshees, right? right. And Edwin was, uh, Susie is an evil Nazi who laughed at spastics. Come on, live aid generation. Let's boycott the old bag. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was not... That was Derek. printed. That was kind of the way it was. Hell, ha ha ha! How we all laughed. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, it was, was there any? Was there any groups out there? In ninety, everybody is to each other nowadays. You know, kind mm. of strange. You know, was there any um, groups out there that tried to have a have a pop at you or, or try to slate? Or yeah, oh. tons of them. Yeah, especially Orange these days and uh, solo. Uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. tons of them. Because people always assume that orange juice were just lavished with critical, <coughs> critical praise. Yeah. If, if uh, when we were moving up here five years ago, oh, the parking job to get us up here was just a nightmare. And one of the things I had to do at Edwin's old studio was pull out the archives press. Now it's a long career, you know. Yeah. And he's generated a, a lot of music paper press over the years. Thirty years. Some of it you didn't. Forty. Even, you didn't even want to keep. <laughs> they just they just all land in your. Forty years. Land in my yeah. office. You know, just yeah. tons of it, and you would be just tipping it. I just I was ready. There was a lot of it. Forty years. Yeah. I was ready to tip it a lot of it. So I was going yeah. through it to see what I was going to keep and what I was going to chuck, and you would not believe how much negative. I imagine what slag of orange she's got. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All the all the singles, you know, all the the uh, albums. Alex Capranos Capranos of the of um, Franz Ferdinand just loved this story <laughs> about how when Rip It Up the album came out, he got such a roasting in NME. Edwin was so depressed he was refusing to get on his tour bus. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Alex was himself laughing at that. He's going, that's so something. Pretentious or what? No, he was going, that's just exactly how I would have felt. That's so (laughs) Forget it all. Never bought, you know, he got, he's got, because you weren't, um, were you, you weren't like, uh, 
impervious to criticism, Adam, right? No. Fuck all, mate, Jerry. You didn't like it? No. <laughs> but I, I suppose that's, that's normal, isn't it? Because you, you've put so much effort into writing these songs and you've poured your heart out to it and then for someone to turn around and be so nasty about it is... It's yeah. Weird because you don't really care about... You don't care too much about praise either. It's a weird... No, 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 no nowadays I, I don't. It's a weird one. I remember this guy coming in the dressing room to do an interview with Ed and then he said, yeah, you're probably sick of all these sycophants. Probably find it, you know, you probably... Before my stops. Yeah, 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 years ago. You probably find it quite refreshing to meet somebody like me who just gives it to you straight and tells you what I really think. <laughs> oh, no, he said, he said, you probably don't like all these people just buttering you up because he was yeah, yeah. use the word and then Edwin goes... No, he, he goes, uh, no, what I like is blanket sycophancy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> blanket sycophancy. <laughs> That's a good expression. But uh, I don't know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing. You had to be... Um, you have to be, be strong and... Uh, yeah. Take it on the chin. Yeah, take it on the chin and... Do you think and that's the nowadays? Do you think that's missing from the music industry that everyone's too friendly and I don't know. I think it's it's a, but, but back in the I'm talking about eighties, it's, it's uh, angry people and mm-hmm. But it depends where you're looking, I suppose, you know. Um suppose if you're looking at uh what kind of music you're looking at, really, you know, because hmm. uh, indie music's definitely like that. It's just yeah. stupid. I think sort of people just will be, I suppose, mostly, but mostly, not everybody, but mostly. Yeah. Um, but if you look at um, black British music, for instance, that's not, you know, they can, you know, you still, still, People will go, oh, look at them trying to grab a headline with that controversial thing that they said. It's pretty easy to get a headline nowadays, you know what I mean? This is, you yeah. don't need to go very far. People are like, Dang. and that's maybe why folk are a bit more hesitant as well, because yeah. you get destroyed, don't you, nowadays, for the least little non-criticism. Non-criticism, uh, yeah. Yeah, but you know, Edwin, how you say, don't say that on... Twitter or whatever. No, he tries no, to no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> nowadays it's important. No, don't, don't go there, Derek. He says to me all the time, it's him going, stay away from that subject on the internet because you're just asking for all the mad shit to come down in your head. You know what I mean? And all the releasing you want to be yourself, don't you? And you want to give your opinion. But I, I think you're right. That people are ready to jump on you at any opportunity now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got to be clear in your mind and really committed to your 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 view. Thoughts, yeah, yeah. If you're going to express it nowadays, and you've got yeah. to be very clear about what your response is going to be, and you've got to also be ready to take criticism. But, you know, because of the internet, and it's a different kind of criticism. It's yeah. nastier and weirder, and it's weirder. It's weirder yeah. in every way. You know, every way it's weirder. You know. Pylons, you know, these yeah. pylon things that are just bloody hell. You know, <laughs> that's the point at which 
I think if I was experiencing any kind of misery or anxiety because of a pile on, that's the point where I'd just be going, delete account. So, Edwin, you, you put your first few singles out, singles out on postcard, but then did you sing yeah. Polydor after that? Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, the the um the album uh, you can't help you. I do a lot for Apple. Yeah, accented Polydor. Um, the major uh, record companies are supposed to direct the indies, and uh, you thought you would. You needed it at that point to yeah. take bonuses to another level. Stephen uh, Daly, the drum player, thought uh, I needed it to... Uh, you thought it was a good... You thought yeah. you needed to do that. But, but what, I, I was 50-50, Derek. Uh, I think uh, indies and majors, I, I'm not sure. But what you did do, which is really unusual, at the time, yeah, and I only learned about this. Stephen the Daily sorted it out. The drummer and your lawyer, yes, Paul um, Rodwell. They did a Paul uh, Rodwell. They took a lot less money and a lot less investment, yeah, so that they could retain. Um, in the long term, they would retain the ownership of the Orange Juice catalogue, right. and the catalogue reverted to the group many, many years ago, decades ago. And so um, during this time when we're getting elderly and people have been, there's been a sort of renewed interest in orange juice, you know, in, in the last 15 years or something like that. Especially, especially young people. Mm. And the great thing is, is that the members of orange juice own those records. Yeah. Which yeah. is really unusual for that time, that, that 80s, 90s period. Yeah. Anything it well. it's, it's certainly ahead of its time, isn't it? Because you hear so many stories now of, you know, bands getting mucked over by their record labels because they don't have yeah. the, the rights to their own songs, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a big subject, especially a big subject nowadays with, yeah. uh, with the new ways that people receive music, they access music, you know? Yeah. Um, and to me, to my way of thinking, if we did uh, things like Spotify back in the days of Orange Juice, Edwin and uh, Postcard would have utilised it. They'd have been really imaginative the way they'd have utilised the internet and they'd have used utilised streaming services and stuff like that. The been- problem was back in the early days, uh, I'm talking about 1980, uh, papers is NME, uh-huh. Sounds, Record Mutmanura, and, uh, and Melody Maker, which was... And, and, then, and then you had Weekly. Radio 1, seriously, yeah. and uh, and a few television programmes, like yeah. Bill Grey Whistle Test or something. Yeah. And it was really, really... And you had to also get into... You had to get into a major distribution system in order for shops to even... Carry your records. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, and it was so it was very restricted. Whereas now, if you do the work, you do the hard work yourself, and you do it imaginatively. There is a good chance you could get your own thing going and not need any of these monolithic institutions to help you. If you put the 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 work in, the elbow grease in, and you've got enough going for you, you know, yeah, music wise and imagination wise, yeah. 
you totally do it yourself. I'm always telling young people <laughs> to do this. Don't get near them, especially when somebody dangles a, a contract in front of you. And a, a, a carrot. A carrot. Well, you don't get carrots anymore, and that's oh. the problem. At least oh. back in our days, they would be £100,000 record deals. And that's in yeah. the 80s. That would be an advance, some of them, in the 80s. Yeah. That's Roddy Fame Aztec uh, Camera, this small uh, record label called uh, Postcard Records. Mm. And he went to uh, Camera, Joseph Kay, and the Gold Patines, yeah. in, um Australian group, uh, and Oranges, yeah, yeah. Uh, stri- uh, strictly indie, and Roddy sang. Yeah, Rod- Roddy's decision with with Warners was a good decision. Warners and uh, yeah. Roddy had yeah. a, a fruitful relationship for many years, many years, twelve years, something like that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was a long, long time, and uh, people going into these things with their eyes wide open. But nowadays, you don't get anything really in return. No. The majors don't give you massive advances. They don't give you. Yeah. You don't even get that money. life, that lifestyle you used to money. get in the, in the night. Like, no, no money. Is it gone? You don't get to live high in the hog for a few years. What's days. going on? But they still want to keep all your rights in perpetuity. You know that word, the, the expression they use, which means forever and ever and ever and ever. For what? For what? You don't even get to behave like a twat for five years or whatever. At least, at least give you that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> at least give you the need to go mental. <laughs> <laughs> They don't, no, there's none of that. They still expect you nowadays to sign these these crazy. They call them contracts, three, yeah. three sixty deals, which yeah. means that they get your your um their, their recording, your publishing. They want a bit of your merch. They want a bit of your uh, everything, touring income, whatever, everything. everything. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, and they, they still want, expect uh, you to do your the own. World. I know. And they still expect you to do your own social media work. You know what I mean? To make yourself famous. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch them. That's my view. Don't get near them. <laughs> Starve them. Anyway, <laughs> Grace, when did when did you become the Edwin's manager then? Because that must have been a, an interesting one for you. Because obviously you've got a personal Thank relationship you. there. One, two, three, four. Correct, Edwin. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd known Edwin for four years by the time I started working for him. Just about in there. Uh, as I said, I worked in theatres. I was a front of house manager and two theatres in London. I did other things as well, and, but that was my two main jobs that I did. And um, we'd been friendly on and off through those yeah. four years. Sometimes we'd see him for the ages because he'd be away being a big pop star and having to rip it up and stuff. But I'd bump into him from time to time, you know, and, um, uh, and I was sort of, where was I at the time? I'd come back to Kensal Rise, yeah. and you were living in my old, my old house with, yeah, yeah. with Harry, the photographer, uh, my ex years before it, and, and this other photographer, and they were living up the road. Harry um, and Robert, Robert Sharp. Sharp yeah. yeah. And Edwin used to come down to see me quite a lot, so uh, I saw him a lot more then, and um, and then uh, he split up with his manager, in actual fact, he's been split with your manager a few months. Yeah. And uh, he said, would you be interested? He goes, would you leave your job and be or- the orange juice manager? Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, what? 
self-employment. Here I go. You're meeting. So that was that. That's what I did. And then about a year later, after about a year of working with one another, we ended up together. Just because we were in each other's company all day, every day. Do you know? It's just... I'm sure it was more romantic than that, Grace. It wasn't. It really wasn't. <laughs> it was for me. It yeah, was right. maybe for him. It wasn't for, I was just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, carried on and yeah. Um, <laughs> but we, and I don't even, that's, it's, I lived in the, uh, I had my own, my own, I was in a housing co-op and I had my own wee one bedroom flat yeah. in Kensal, in Kensal Rise. And, uh, I don't remember Edwin moving in, a discussion about that, about us living <laughs> together. He just moved all his stuff in one bit at a time. Before I noticed. He said, you used to be a minimalist. I was, but I didn't have much stuff. That was the thing. I was, just didn't, I was always moving before that. So I used to think, if you just have, if you have stuff, it's just a pain in the neck, moving, you know. So my mate Marco used to be able to move me everything one trip back of his motor yeah. and then uh, Edwin moved in with me and there was just tons of stuff everywhere, everywhere so much of his gear but he also had so many clothes back then he had remember that? Yeah. Do you remember how many clothes he had? I don't know uh, second time clothes second was, uh... he was a big charity shopper but he had amazing things, he had 15 suits <laughs> Yeah. All how, from how the, did you decide what one to wear? Oh, he, he was no problem with that. He took yeah. a lot of trouble over yeah. his appearance, Derek. Trust me. And, yeah. I sent it them to the dry cleaners, Derek. And he had uh, uh, the suits. So you get them in charity shop. Charity shop shopping for old, old classic 40s, 50s suits was really, That's really good then. And uh, yeah. he had shoes, old men's shoes. <laughs> he, had, <laughs> I mean, amazing, he had amazing gear. That, but he used to take them to this old tailor, didn't you? Yeah. Was take name? them in. Uh, um, I don't know. Greek guy. Yeah. Derek. <laughs> and he would adjust them for you. Yeah. Yeah. He? Uh, he so he had all these suits for not very much money. Do you know what I mean? He Five had, pounds. He's very, very assiduous about yeah. checking out charity but shops. Six pounds. And- Mm-hmm. The, 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 the I once suits. I once pulled them all out and I laundered them all and I, and I swear to God he had thirty white shirts, vintage white shirts. They all sit were all from German Street and Savile Row. And <laughs> all these names on beautiful, you know, beautiful. But he had thirty of them. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know. Taking over your flat, I I know, and he had. Old Trombie coat, remember yeah, that one? Yeah. And you had that beautiful camel coat, yeah. and another one that had like a check. Mothballs. Then you get ter- there's a terrible problem with moths in, in London, so a lot of these things get eaten by the moths. Yeah. That's terrible. It's, I know, it's, quite sad. it's quite sad, but I'm just, in a way, I'm really glad I still don't have all those clothes. <laughs> Part of me is very relieved I'm not carting them all around. <laughs> So you weren't, you weren't just his manager, you were also his wardrobe as well, he was taking over the house. And- <laughs> yeah, kind of, not, not. No, honest, I, I did, 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 did it, yeah. The, 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 the dry cleaning. I, 
most of the time uh, it was yeah. me and some of the time it was Grace. Yeah, mostly that. He was so uh, footy about all that stuff, so I kept out of his roads. That and his ear, his quiff. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> how, long did, how long did it take you to do that in the morning? Oh, jeez. Uh, a full hour. <laughs> And if it went wrong, he'd be, sitting, he'd be sitting there swearing in front of the mirror and he'd start it all over again and I'd just want to go. Behave yourself. <laughs> it had this sort of reverse effect to me. I used to try and set myself these um, <laughs> goals, like get up, have a shower, get dressed, put your makeup on the door 15 minutes. Right? And I'd, I'd be going like, 15 minutes, I'll make up, shower, here. Yeah. Out the door, right? 15, 15 minutes I can do this in. Do you know what I mean? He'd be he'd be making his late, he'd actually make his late for everything. <coughs> Not his, anymore. No, with his uh, pooping around. Pooping stuff. That's right. him. See, you're not allowed to say these things anymore, no. which is nuts. But it was just ridiculously absorbed in his. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh, it's, it's another thing I don't really miss to be fair I don't really miss that to be fair was yeah. it around about that time that you went solo then Ed? was it? Uh, 1988 5 5 hmm. it was the end of Polydor the end of Orange Juice and start the solo yeah, attempt career. Yeah. But it was very hard, wasn't it? We struggled. No, yeah, it struggled away. At that point, we didn't really know what any kind of independent alternative could be for us because the independent thing had morphed into a different thing where so-called pseudo-indies, we called yeah. them, so they were actually backed by majors yeah. and they had an independent name on them. Yeah. And... and uh, a sort of real independent distribution that was almost disappearing, wasn't it? Yeah. But anyway, Aaron couldn't get arrested, is it the reality of it. You could not get arrested for... Uh, Love of money. A long time. Yeah. So, and we also didn't have a means to make records. So people, somebody would give you the chance to demo something. Originally, um, 88, uh, the album, uh, I put it out in Cologne. 89, and, uh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 89. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, in uh, Germany. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a long and tragic story. Of, uh, uh, Demon years. Records. Open Despite Pair, it's called. Yeah, they, they licensed it. Yeah, yeah. But it's a very long and boring and tragic tale of uh, music business rejection <laughs> <laughs> and poverty. And <laughs> we were really skint, weren't we? Yeah. We were super skint. And, yeah. Uh, for we and lots and lots of uh, uh, blind alleys we were going down and, and lots of <coughs> and um, at one point uh, I thought Edwin should get a different manager maybe if he got a more high powered manager that would help but that that was rejected after that yeah. we dipped our toe in that water and he couldn't really he couldn't handle it yeah. he, couldn't, he couldn't handle it so yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fine then. It's me or nothing. <laughs> and um, what, what and made then, you, I, then what, what made you take the decision to release it in Germany? 
we were we were invited we were invited by a, a label stroke studio boss and Ed and went to we went to see them and then in the springtime of eighty nine, you know, the, he had his label. He just started the label, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had this amazing studio, beautiful studio, didn't he? Yeah. And a house, or it's in a house, so there's a place to stay. Yeah. The whole he brought the whole group. He brought all Veron's group yeah. out here to record this album, Hope and Despair, and uh, in Cologne. And you were there for it all in all, sort of three months, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember I was driving transit vans with gear <laughs> over the road. <laughs> and at one point, we were really skint acid Ted and I was going to get an HGV class one and be a, a lorry driver. <laughs> you could get another manager. And anyway, so I was, because I always like driving, I like driving, I like long distance driving. <laughs> you still do? Still do. <laughs> and uh, I do, I do. Uh, uh, I just, I'd quite like to drive a tractor. Don't know if I can. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, so the Cologne and the album got made, and it was, it, it did well. It did all right by our standards. Yeah. It did pretty well, but uh, and so you were back on the, you know, on the road a wee bit again yeah. with yeah. your solo career. And he had another record in between, and we had William in between when he was born. Yeah. And I always think, I mean, when William was born, I always think it was like good luck for you. Yeah. I put it uh, out. Uh, the, the, the two albums I did, but uh, Hope and Despair. No, no. Gorgeous George. Later on, that was yeah. the third album, your yeah. third solo album. But there's a good uh, video you can see it on. It's on YouTube, isn't it? What from the second the record after Hope and Despair was called Hell Bent on Compromise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hilarious. And uh, it's got this song on it called uh, Everything and More, and we made a video. With, for it with Will when he was six months old. <laughs> online, can you, can you see that? Yes, it's in Cornwall. And um, he was kind of pretending that he was like a... A, a space a man. Spa- a space, a space baby. He was yeah. six months, so he could not even really sit up properly yeah. for very long. <laughs> and uh, and we'd, so a friend made him a space suit and we'd like... It was pure... It was, Blue Peter, wasn't it? We made him a sort of jetpack and a space helmet, and uh, and the idea sort of like crashed to this on this beach. Ridiculous, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Just, uh, I think I don't know if you were just looking for an excuse to just shove him in a video or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah. it's online. <laughs> Everything and more. Have a look at it. It's oh, good. That's brilliant. And then, right? Sorry, you start. You tell them about what, what? How did we get to Gorgeous George? Um. Demon, two records, uh, Demon records put out, um, but I, I, I was not pleased. Uh, about, Didn't like them. Yeah, and uh, um, um, Keith uh, Cullen, the 
Edwin's focus was on uh, because as you keep hearing him saying, I didn't like that, and I wasn't no. happy with that, and it was like so we was we were like that a bit. So the focus was on trying to get. I was a producer. Yeah, produce your own records. Yeah. have your own studio, and everything was going to be. We we're going to try all our efforts focused on him having a studio because that way we would never have to go to a record no. company again, like. Major record companies to ask, please, sir. Could I have a new record? Please, no, <laughs> can I get access to a studio? Please, <laughs> so we just thought, we've got to stop that, we've got to seize the means of production, and uh, we'll have to figure out how I get a studio, and that's not going to be easy given that we were completely skint, but we, um. Yeah, that's Ed, and that's the thing we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. Is if you think it's going to be easy, it's not for you. You know, for you, it? forget yeah. it. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's yeah. going to be impossibly difficult. In fact, you know. So that's what we started to do, and again, that's a long and tragic tale of how we managed to get the first studio together. Oh my God, Edwin! I remember Edwin saying to me one point. So how much longer can we go? <laughs> and I said, Grace said, I said three weeks ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Derek, Paul Coots drumming. Yeah, but I mean, he did have a studio. Yeah, yeah, in in a wee place. Gorgeous George. You shared it with a guy, and you pulled your equipment. Yeah. And um, and you, you shared the time, and and uh, Edwin was doing a bit of production work by that time. So we were thinking, well, what we can do is he can do a bit of producing, and he gets paid for that. Then that can fund his own records. Come back into the podcast. Okay, back into the podcast. Yeah. And uh, so we were, we managed to get this place wired in. Yeah. And eventually, uh, it's in Alexandra Palace. It was nice, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then. Eventually made the record. I, I shared, uh, shared it with uh, someone, uh, Mark Thompson, but uh, no. said it. Oh, so that didn't last. In other <laughs> words, right? So it was. It came to an end immediately. The day after this. This pretentious or what? He's not changed. one bit. Oh, he has not changed. <laughs> no. How about you? I repeat. Maybe, yeah, there's a bit of a liability to be fair, but uh, the, 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 yeah, the record got finished recording, yeah, and the very next day we had to pack up our gear and, and get out because uh, Mark wanted to go alone, go alone, which is fair enough, right? Uh, yeah. And um, it, it turned out all right for us because you ended up working quite hard on a particular track off of that record called a girl like you that's it overtook her life but tell tell Derek how that came to be recorded a girl like you okay okay um 48 uh, hours later uh, it's finished a uh, girl, girl like you um and uh, 
Chris said, uh, no, I said, Chris is possibly a single. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, it's obviously a single. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't realize Derek took off around no, the we world. We didn't think of it. We, we didn't, we said it was a took single. Took around the world. Uh, the way we always looked at Derek and we go, what's, what's the sink? What's single? We'll put out. Like that, well, that's a single, and it wasn't because you didn't have hits at that no. point. We thought there was a there was certain prerequisites you needed to have hits, and he hadn't any of them. <laughs> Industry <laughs> <and> specs, major <laughs> <laughs> backing, you know, distribution. Then the the these call them scale outs in the shops. Radio plating, yeah, none of this, uh, no credibility, <laughs> commercial credibility. So, but we thought we heard it and we thought and it was the very last thing you recorded on the album. It's the very last oh, thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in a hurry at the tail end, and uh, just weird. And also, also, the other thing about it is, is that Ed normally is. Uh, quite a prolific writer and especially back then and they would normally hit the studio with the whole track virtually fully formed in his yeah, head. Yeah. Uh, but, arrangements, uh, everything. But w- uh, w- once a song, two songs that actually I pre-formed yeah. Derek. Mm-hmm. And one of them was A Girl Like You. Yeah. So it's unusual for him to make a thing up in the studio. He doesn't normally. It's not really... He's not, a, not a real... Bag. He will do yeah. it sometimes, but not, yeah. it's not, not... It's a pretty rare thing for him to do that, actually. Yeah. He's got it all figured out in his brain before he goes in normally. And that one wasn't, wasn't it? Not? No. So there you go. When, when, did you, when did you think, you know, this is really going to be massive here? Or was it... Was there a... So, it started a uh, 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 hit in uh, actually Holland. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Belgium, uh, yeah, Australia, yeah. It's weird. We it was weird. We put it out in the UK and it wasn't. Uh, a hit. Belgium wasn't. is number one. Yeah. Yeah, we put it out in the UK. It wasn't a hit. We released it as a single. It didn't get airplay. It didn't get scaled out to the shops. And uh, it got to something like 40-something. It was 40-something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because it got a wee tiny bit of nighttime airplay or something like that. And uh, But it went off and it... It took a tangent. It went off and it's so... Seriously, you know when you think, you hear about um, things doing, you know, like... Um, going viral now they call it going viral you know or whatever but that was what happened that's exactly what happened with the girl like you yeah. people would hear it and they would just um, they would ask for it again and they would it just kept going so when we put it out first in the UK and it was close but no cigar I was thinking oh well never mind <laughs> never mind but there was a there was Ne- nothing really stopped. It, not- it never really stopped, didn't it? No, we kept getting, hearing about things. My phone was going an awful lot more. Every day and every week that passed. Especially in the, in the night time, Derek. Yes, well, That was later on. Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. later on. Yeah. But that winter time going the through. The 
You used to be Faxes. Faxes. <laughs> Faxes. You're showing your age now. I, well, there's 95. <laughs> that 25 years ago, there was. I didn't have a computer. Most yeah. people didn't have a computer, yeah. and uh, I had a word processor <laughs> and a fax machine, <laughs> and uh, which I'd only just got actually. Yeah. And uh, you. And a phone, and a, it was actually a combined phone fax. I don't know if you remember them. Like there was a, fa- a phone and a fax, and a steam thing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I was working off the, the living room floor of the wee flat. And, and uh, Hazel, uh, my sister. Later on, that yeah. was a wee bit later on. So, so yeah. it just kept, momentum Help. kept building. Yeah, yeah. Different countries, France. We went to Australia. We went to America. Yeah. We went to South by Southwest actually for the first time for ever in America in March of uh, of ninety uh, five, and I think it was only about a few two or three years old at that time. Yeah. So it was a much smaller event. It was really really nice, wasn't it? It was good fun. We took William with us. Yeah. He 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 came to Texas. That's the first place he ever landed in. He landed in Texas. Just wanted to go to a toy shop and buy get some. It's his birthday, remember? Yeah. Get some Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And and then we went to New York and you played a show in New York. Yeah. It's the first of all these things were first for us. So it was fun. It was all kind of fun. But by the time we got to March, it was starting to. Exposed. Yeah, it was (laughs) crazy busy. And it was, I was getting phone calls all the time. It was, where's the, you know, people, this was an indie, 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 label. indie label. Yeah. Who. Called uh, Sertanta. Who had less experience of this than me. So they were, uh, we ended up running it really ourselves, you know, and servicing all these. We did, we did do some licensing deals with yeah. la- with labels abroad for yeah. it. So yeah. they would need a, a lot of stuff. They'd need a lot Made of. Major uh, labels as well. Um, and they did a lot of Sony and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would so we would instead of it going through like it usually does with these things, where over one branch of a major talks to another country of a major, and they all do it. It's hundreds of people involved. It was just me and her Hazel, right? <laughs> Hazel came, chucked her job, <laughs> and came to work for me in April of '95, and then that was it, wasn't it? We just. Yeah. Harry and I were in the living room floor together for about a week, and then we took a little serviced office, and we had t- we had two phone lines and a separate fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three lines. It was it was amazing. It was a fight. God, and and it was just, by that time, by the time Hazel joined me, it was getting daft, <laughs> daft, and like I say, there was requests coming in for things, planning, trying to schedule stuff, try to supply all this stuff to people. And uh, and um, me and her, it was, you know, it was the two of us trying to figure it out. And Hazel was going, I don't even know any of these. Things. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, and She's just stopping. A real baptism by fire for Hazel. Within six months, she was an absolute expert. It was, <laughs> it was a real... Deep end, you know, and uh, it was it was crazy. It was really really crazy. And I picked Will up from school. He just started school, and I picked him up from school, 
and bring him up to the wee office and he'd have to just play with his Lego or something. <laughs> the phones would be still going, no, 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 no. It's all phone calls then. There's no rat-a-tat-tat like we do now, do you know? Yeah. Um, everything was physical. Everything was physical. So you just physically send artwork and physically send product and physically, you know, deal with everything really. Yeah. And, and then I'd come home and I'd feed him something and put him in his bed, God love him. And then the phone calls with like Ed and said would start from all over uh, the world. You, you, yes. At this yeah, point, yeah. I'm, I'm describing this as if he's not in the picture. <laughs> he wasn't. He was away. Yeah. Away. You're in Europe and... All over the world. We were yeah, 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 yeah. So he was either away playing... Oh, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore... He was either away playing with the band... Japan. Touring, or he was doing promotional trips. Brilliant. Sometimes we, me and Will would join him. Sometimes we wouldn't. He'd be off somebody else to, to do that. And it was, uh, so we were knackered at our end, but you were pretty knackered out there, weren't yeah. you? And you were yeah. at your end. Because it was a, suddenly it was a, he had a... Hit on a hot hand. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. So we put it out again in the UK in the summertime. And uh, and, uh, and it was a big hit in America. And uh, nuts, just nuts. But they, they would have you then, well, if you're riding something like that, they had Edwin jumping through an awful lot of hoops, didn't they? Yeah. There were some of them that were just stupid, you know, really, really stupid. For every good thing, there'd be five stupid things, wouldn't there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you learn, you learn about these things that they're, you know, what's point putting. The, the point the, twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they say no. How to say no, you know. Yeah. But it was it was interesting time, wasn't it? Yeah. Out of control. <laughs> Sometimes you you just stop and go. Is that By the end of uh, it, uh, I was exhausted. Mm. Trust me. Mm. There was no way in the world it wasn't successful, you know, and. Uh, the end what, what, one year and six months. 18 months. Exhausting stuff. Yeah. And so he was done in at the end of that. Yeah. He was ready. Retire. <laughs> what we had, finally, was a bit of a budget to build his studio. Yeah. So where did you head? I'm doing all the talking here. I'm conscious of that. Please talk. What? I'm talking too much. No, uh, yeah. But um what you get a word in edgeways. Um <laughs> where did I, I head? No, what happened after uh all the work from a girl like you and Gorgeous George? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's this yard? Uh, so yeah. Where's this yard? Your studio. Yeah. So we were able to find a permanent home. Yeah. And a muse. And Edwin was there. It's a studio for the next 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So 95. You recorded some of the bands there as well, didn't you? You Yeah, really. All sorts of things happened while we were at that studio. For example, New Fellows, The Cribs. Uh The New Fellows album. The Proclaimers. Really, yeah. One of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
But um, for you, it was really, uh, you did another tour, went back to America in 2007. But after that, I really think Eden thought, I'm not bothered about this stuff. I want my studio. I want my studio. I want my studio. And that was where you were at. He had the freedom by that time, financial freedom, thanks to a girl like you, to to concentrate on his studio life. And and he, he... created what he has now which is this incredible at that time remembered as well we're still in the 90s yeah and uh the whole world is going digital at this point the whole everything is is going including studios yeah. and everybody was getting rid of their old yeah so what was your attitude to that it's totally uh analog <laughs> <laughs> it's turned round. Oh, hi. Just, hey, Sandy, can I join you in a wee while we're talking to somebody on the internet? Right, See you in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, um, uh, Sandy, uh, yeah, he's a good friend from the village and he helps me with stuff. Him and Will have been working together. They're a team. <laughs> um, but what was I going to say? What was I suppose, I suppose yeah. life changing for you then? Yeah. Yeah. It was. And, and yeah, it, it ultimately allowed you to do what you've always wanted and, and have your own studio yeah, and, and record exactly, amazing albums. Good know. times. Good times. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. All he ever wanted was... Uh, to, 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 to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> to, to complete... Potter about. Freedom and this yeah. ability to make whatever, do whatever he wanted musically and in the studio you know um edin came to being a producer and this come to understand studios and recorded sound out of necessity because he no longer like we said that thing where he didn't no longer wanted to have to beg to be allowed to make music yeah yeah but in so doing this is around the turn of the 90s and starting to dive into uh the studio itself, the technical side of it, learning how to be a, learning how to record, learning how to be a producer, he discovered the great passion of his life, and that was what it is. It's recorded sound, isn't it? Ed? And yeah. You, and what you can do with old gear, and it became a complete obsession. It still is, you know, um, collecting this equipment, and it was a perfect time because people were getting rid of a lot of the things that he loved. Uh, 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 analog. Especially Aldo, mm-hmm. as opposed to digital. As, as I say, digital is starting out. Mm. And you were you were able to pick everything up for the song. Even the mi- microphones, yeah. digital. Yeah, they were going digital, and you were able to get all your gear, like really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Folk were getting rid of it, and he was. Especially in America, actually. He was like a demon. He was absolutely. <laughs> Hoovering it up, so he had some dodge to do it with as well. So he was just like on a mission, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that Edwin was had the idea that in the future people would change their minds and would want to go back to this yeah. stuff. But he, he he just loved it, so especially the the, the dress uh, analog nowadays. And what was the other thing in the late nineties that kicked off that really helped to America? Your passion to this day. It begins with an E and it ends with a Y. eBay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you a bit of an addict, Edwin? 
I've never heard of it. I've never heard. This is ninety-eight. <laughs> Robert Stark. Introduced uh, yeah, yeah. eBay, and Edwin was going. So I can I can bypass all the dealers and I can get stuff from Americans. Harry, top of the topless friend. Yeah, you discovered Robert Stark. So it was before there was an eBay UK or anything. Edwin yeah. was a, on the American yeah. one. Yeah. The American one. Yeah, Americans were. But it was first it started to uh, American, but a tiny little uh, uh, book eight bed. When it started, it was yeah. small. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. UK, no, not, yeah. yeah, yeah. Even in '98, it was pretty established in America. It was getting there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was really yeah. getting there. So he was an early adopter. <laughs> and uh, particularly for things like that, it was where it's kind of like a, a, where everything found its natural value. Yeah. And it was sort of for um, enthusiasts, particularly geared towards collectors and people that were enthusiastic. If you wanted motorbike parts or something like that, I mean, that was the place to get. Like Specialised you know I mean? almost, yeah. Specialised. It was really like that then, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. And a lot of people we knew when Edwin was telling them he was getting stuff there, they were going, "How can you trust it?" You know, and the Great uh, Britain. Uh-huh. How can you trust, trust it? it? Yeah, and Edwin said, "It's the feedback thing. It's the it's yeah. the feedback system." You know, I suppose at first people were, people will be suspicious about these things that they don't know. I know, yeah, they were. He just uh, he just jumped in, <laughs> and as a result of that, he got. Bargains galore. <laughs> bargains galore. I like him very much. He loves a bargain. Uh, he loves a bargain. STC microphones, for example. Bargains. Bargains. Nowadays, STC, 60s and 70s, expensive. They're very expensive. Yeah, nowadays. In uh, eBay. Do you think there's a reoccurring fear theme here, Edwin? That's uh, the bargains on the suits, the bargains on microphones and, and music. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a bargain hunter. He's really seriously. He likes to know. I mean, ridiculous, you know. He likes to know the price of it. I mean, after Edwin's illness, and he came out of hospital, and we put his laptop up and eBay up. I thought, let's see what he's like with eBay. And he was looking at guitars, searched vintage guitars and thought that's familiar for him. And uh, and he was going, no, 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 no. I thought, what's wrong? And he goes, my bargains. Oh, God. And I thought, oh, wow. He's looking at the prices <laughs> that things are going for. He's looking at the numbers. Yeah. And I didn't realise, I thought, <clears throat> because he lost the ability to read because of his stroke and write, I think I thought numbers were going as well, but there he was, look at eBay. And he was like, Too expensive. I'm not paying that for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh wow, he's numerate. Do you know what I mean? He gets it all when he sees a price yeah. written down, it's like he totally knew, not just the, you know, the, the, val- the number value, but whether it was a good buy. A good buy or not? Do you know what I mean? All that yeah. was still intact. I thought very important. All the important bits were still intact, in other words, you know? It's amazing how much eBay has played such a big part in your life. Actually, huge. It's been a huge. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I never thought of that. It's been but, a but, 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 but,
the BBC redundant stores mm. and the yeah, yeah. recording house. Uh, yeah, that was the other thing. So there's people. But it's, it's gone now. Uh, no, but they don't it, do uh, loads of bargains. STC and uh, the BBC had a uh, Austrian microphone. Well, explain it. The BBC had a department called Redundant Stores. Sure, sure. It was this guy Chris was in charge of it, and I don't know how Edwin fostered these relationships, but he was really good at that as well. Yeah. He knew he knew loads of old boffins and sales guy, you know, guys that were dealers and had yeah. des- designed equipment back. No, no, no. No, uh, I, I'm sure uh, eBay is good, but, uh, but you had is, 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 for example, the, the redundant uh, stores. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so they basically had all the old stuff. That I, I looked uh, on the internet and mm. sought uh, everything out, out uh, the microphones. I'm saying Chris was in charge of getting all the stuff that the BBC deemed to be redundant, right? And, and he'd phone Edwin up and go, I've got something, I think I've got something might interest you, Edwin. <laughs> Sounds like a nice <laughs> really like that. Don't need to get again, but, so. but Edwin got the chance to get lots and lots and lots of, buy, buy lots of things off the BBC uh, redundant as he says, that doesn't exist anymore. The, no, the wise dog. Cotton Dawn. We used to go to guys at did like Rag and Bone Yards, but big mass. Remember yeah, that guy yeah, yeah. we went to? Yeah, yeah. The biggest uh, uh, scrap yard I've ever been yeah. in my life. Yeah. And this guy knew everything about recording equipment, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. But he also had. He'd something he got loads of stuff from the uh, the MOD and stuff like yeah. that, and it was just what a place. You know, uh, I know where there's mutt, there's brass. I'm <laughs> telling you, and, you know, it was, it was really good, isn't it? it yeah. Really, really good. So he was uh, not that combined with him. Um, I mean, he even had a guy in Eastern Eastern Europe, yeah, East Germany, yeah, yeah, who was his Neumann microphone connection, Ed connection, connections all over the place and yeah. he used to get along with these people really really well um so uh they would always give edwin first dips at things you know <laughs> 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 it's good. are you still shopping for these just now or are you are you quite happy with your studio set up Bone of contention, Derek. Bone of contention. Upon there. I'm not going to mention that. You have to rein it in. Of course he is. I have to stop him. I have to stop him. Um, first of all, you would admit the bargains are not the no, wise stop. No. And he likes a bargain. But also, it's just too much. The stuff we've got is in the studio up there. There's a storage building behind it for yeah. the overflow. I mean... Yeah. See getting up here. It was see transferring that studio in London, which had turned into a sort of form of step toes, step toes. Grace is calling that, but vintage uh, microphones and vintage everything, piles of it everywhere. I like to call it. Got it. <laughs> it's a nightmare, but um, uh, it's not just you know, you're, you're taking it from one end of the country to the other almost. It's, 
there was relays of it. it was there was convoys of vans going yeah. up with it. it was, it's really it's just oh my god. Anyway, uh, he, he nowadays when Eden's on eBay for stuff, I'll go. Right, it's not just recording equipment, by the way. It's other stuff, and I'll go look. If you even bought three things a week on eBay that, that you'll keep forever, which he does. He's never he's never sold a thing on eBay ever. No. He never sells never. ever. No. Not one thing on eBay. Is he I ever can't. Sold. Could sell After my and before my he's just a buyer. Yeah. And uh, I said to him, "So that's three things a week, fifty-two weeks in a year. So roughly one hundred and fifty things, new things every year." I said, "That means in the next ten years we'll have another fifteen hundred things in our life." <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take it. Minimalist. <laughs> You're going to have to start selling some of the microphones, Edwin. What? You're going to have to start selling some of the microphones this time. No. You'll never, you'll never, do, you'll never do that. You'll never, ever do that. That's never going to happen. So that's just, it's, he's a... Hoarder. He's a hoarder. <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's good stuff he hoards, you know, but... It's not happening. It's just he's just going to sit in. I was saying to Susan that works with me. I was going to think it's this is when we were trying to leave the studio, and it was such, it was such a horrible months that took us to get out of there. Yeah. Um, <coughs> such a horrible job, and I, I was I was getting really angry with Edwin. I'd, like, I'd just go mental. I'd be just cursing and swearing up and down the corridor and just losing it with the all the stuff, and. Uh, yeah. I said, where the hell, do you think you're all going to, we're all going to die, you know, we're all going to die. And then what, what's going to happen with all this stuff, we're going to leave it, our poor son's going to have to deal with it all, you know what I mean? And and Susan goes, well, maybe we could just, <laughs> she goes, maybe we could just make him a big sort of sarcophagus, like Tutankhamun and put it all in with him. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> do you know what I wanted to ask you about? Did, did you go down to the uh, the exhibition in Edinburgh, uh, the the Rip It Up exhibition? No, no. no. I, I thought that was a uh, amazing that it was named after you know one of your songs in the book that Vic Galloway wrote off the back of that as well. It was it must have been a bit of an honour. Yeah, but uh, Grace didn't like it. No, oh dear, sorry. No, it's not that it's much. No, Kirk, admit it, Grace. You didn't. Yeah, we didn't really get involved with it. No, honest. it's not really my cup of tea. I That's just, I, I think it's just. I don't know. I didn't. It's, I questioned the artistic merit of it. I think it's just a grab bag of. Uh, Shit. You know, I think okay, <laughs> Susie, You know, when they go, oh, can we get? Maybe we would, what we would like is if you get some handwritten lyrics, and maybe we could borrow Edwin's Gretsch guitar. And I was going, yeah, and put it next to Midge's trench coat. And <laughs> sure. <laughs> you get my drift? Oh, yeah, I get where it comes from. So what's the, what's the relevance almost? Or what, why yeah. do you put them together, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't, I I don't know what's going to put the Zillows next to uh, Alex Harvey Band or... I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I, I didn't really. It's, it's they're all Scottish, you see. They're just yeah. they're just all Scottish. And I said, in in and of itself, I didn't see that as a as a 
uh, basis. Did they, have to, did they have to get your permission to, to choose that name? Or? No, of course no. not. No, no, no not, not at all. We were yeah. allowed to do that. I didn't, and we didn't argue with them about that either. We didn't. We weren't being miserable about it, but it just wasn't for us. I just thought it was a bit naff. I wish I hadn't asked. I thought he'd been. Oh, that's great! I really enjoyed it. No, I don't like. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we're talking about Harry Papadopoulos, for instance, the other yes. day. Now, uh, Harry's uh, been ill these last. 15, nearly 20 years, not been very well. Yeah, um, uh, uh, he had a stroke like mm-hmm, uh, me. Different results, though. Yeah. Um, but a, a guy that used to be in a group called the Bluebells. Yeah. Oh, gee. No, I think the last, uh, the last gig I went to, the Bluebells were supporting you, Edwin. The last Edwin Collins gig I went to at ABC. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, was that in ABC? ABC. It must have been about five or six years yeah. ago now, I think. Yeah. So, uh, Ken is from... Ten it? years ago. Ken's, Ken's, is it Bothell? Ken's from... Ireland, from yeah, Ireland. he's a nice guy, yeah. He went round to see... This is a number of years ago. He went round to see Harry and discovered that he was sitting, as another hoarder does, on his incredible archive that he's got of, of photographs that he took. They're not, it's not particularly Scottish groups, although he did yeah. text, not particularly, because he worked for music papers and he went on... For example... The Rolling Stones. Gil Scott Hearn, great big yeah, yeah. Anyway, he, he's, he's got his archive of, um, but there is quite a few Scottish things there in there as well. And he was. And the birthday party. And his amazing archive of pictures that he took between the years of yeah. 77 to about 83. That was it, just that six year period. And um, Ken just thought, my God, Harry's. Pictures are all deteriorating, negs are going to deteriorate yeah. and everything. So in cahoots with a really good Glasgow gallery called Street Level, yep. um, they digitised Harry's archive. And people at Street Level were brilliant and thought they should do a, an exhibition of his stuff. Now, the guy there told me that it was the most, um, come on, sit in the door, uh, uh, popular. Is that, in, is that in at the Tron Gate? Street Level? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what yeah. you're that it was had the most footfall of any any exhibition well, they've ever had. It was because of the subject matter uh, and the the style of them and the subject I'm matter. I'm stiff, please. Right, what do you want to do? You want what? a different? Do you want a different seat? Do you want to sit no, in that no, no, chair? No. no. Are you okay? Yeah. He's complaining of stiffness. So <laughs> that's why you moved the picture. But, um, yeah. So I, when I went to see that, I thought that this is this has artistic merit and relevance. Yeah. It's a snapshot of a time. There's quite a strong flavour of Scotland in it as well about this this guy coming from a you know from a Glasgow background, this Glasgow photographer, and his take on that period of time, punk rock and post punk, you know, and uh, and the contribution that Glasgow made to that period. And all of that made sense to me artistically. And people got it because it's obvious. It's right, that's it's obvious. That exhibition in Edinburgh, like I say, to me, it was just a grab bag. <laughs> We've got to really put a wee bit more effort in it than that, you know? Uh-uh. Edwin, I, I won't keep you too long if you're, if you're getting stiff, but what, what have you got planned for the future then? Have you got any bands coming up to the Highlands to rec- uh, record with you? Or, 
Yeah, yeah, but the, once uh, the coronavirus is gone, but but uh, it's all burning it's, it's quite high on of Scotland. We've not had any problems, but yeah. we're allowed to have somebody here open up again, all being well. Yeah. We're hopefully going to be able to record again by towards the end of this month. Yeah. Good. And there's a band coming in. Yeah, and um, called um, Neon Waltz. Neon Waltz. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant band, yeah, really good. And they're brilliant. Oh, yeah. And they? And they're, they're Jordan. From, they're from, yeah, yeah. They're from Caithness. Yeah. From Caithness. And uh, uh, in actual fact, I think the, the original uh, long-term bass player has recently stepped back. He's he got a family and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, and he's been uh, the, the new recruits from East Kilbride. Yeah, Jack. Is he the young guy? Yeah, yeah. Is Jack, that he's called. So they're going to be coming to do some recording here towards the end of uh, month. Really? And, uh, and Will and Jake are coming back up to get the studio organised in advance yeah. of that. Yeah. Jake's an engineer that works with us here a lot. And uh, so they're coming. And uh, there's various others that we've got in the pipeline. Who's that? Uh... Hanging Stars, Patrick's Band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, possibly I, I tried that we've worked with a lot called the Hooten Tennis Club right. well there's another band it's a couple of them are involved with called Seabells we hope they'll be coming back yeah. not too long yeah so we'll be back to work yeah yeah mm-hmm. fingers crossed it's not too long until everything's back up and yeah, running and Edin is actually gonna he, he had a record out last year and he did he toured again yeah, yeah. I feel as if we're gonna for that stuff, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not for me, uh, Grace. Uh, he was going to be, before all this happened, he was going to be playing at the Kelvin Grove Bandstand. That's right, yeah. Has it been rescheduled? Or? Yeah, yeah. Next year? Brilliant. Good. I'm so sold out. Sold out, Ed, and you're bragging. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'll, I'll need to come along, but I'll not be able to get in anymore. Oh, we'll get you in a guest list. Yeah, don't worry about that. I'll hold you to that. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> Brilliant. No, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I could I could have spoke all afternoon to you. You get some amazing stories, and thanks so much for oh, your time. Nice.